courtesy of Rad, it's time for another Fireside Chat, the official podcast of Flames fans. It's go time. Happy New Year and welcome back. It's been a few weeks, but as always, I'm Dan alongside Matt to talk about the Calgary Flames. And uh, Matt, since we talked last, there's been nine games, five wins, four losses. I think of all those I'd like to forget this weekend. Yeah, tonight's game, uh, or today's game against the Chicago Blackhawks, not exactly the best effort I've seen, uh, especially when we're playing the Rockford Icehogs and yet managed to lose. <laughs> and they didn't lose a player tonight. Yeah. Like every game they've been playing lately, they've had somebody drop to the ice like some sort of Agatha Christie mystery, and Chicago didn't lose a player tonight. I know. Um, it's amazing. You know, last year the Flames were three points out of the playoffs, and a big reason they didn't make it is they couldn't beat the Chicago Blackhawks, who were second last in the league, and now it looks like that curse might be continuing. Yep, and if it wasn't for them beating the Flames all three times, if we had even won one of those games, Bedard would not be a Blackhawk, but, you know... Things happen the way they do, and, and you know what? At least we didn't need to face the uh, the consequences of our actions today. True enough. Um, yeah, uh, on the whole, um, like I, yeah, the comments from Don Maloney about uh, being you know close to a playoff spot today, and you know, you know, looking on the optimistic side of it. It's like, yeah, the Flames are a couple points of a playoff spot, but there's like six teams that are like right in the same zone. And, you know, like you're pretty much delusional if you think that the, the Flames are going to leapfrog six teams to well, get in. Let's take a look at that. So the Flames are now pretty much at their midpoint. They've played 40 games of their 82. Um, there's still some teams that have less than that, but the Flames currently sit six in the Western Conference wildcard spot at 39 points. Uh, right above them is the Arizona Coyotes at 40. That's how you know you're bad when the Coyotes are above you. Then the Seattle Kraken at 41. St. Louis at 41. Edmonton at 41, who has the last wildcard spot. And Nashville at 45. So, Matt, both Arizona and uh, Edmonton above us. I know. Like, it's not very good. And, you know, it, it's one thing, like, yeah, yeah, the Flames are two points out right now. But... You know, to expect all the other teams to, you know, like Minnesota's only one point behind us as well. They have two games in hand. Like, it, it's really tough to be able to systematically leapfrog teams. And, like, the Flames have been playing relatively good uh, since their early season uh, struggles in October. And yet, you know... Like, they're still very bad. I think the big difference between Calgary and all these other teams, including Minnesota, they all have at least 50% wins. Their their point percentage is at least 50%. Like, Calgary's point percentage is .488, which means that they have points in less than half their games. Yeah. Well, and, like, the Flames' first 10 games, they were 2-7-1. and one. And, like, while the Flames since then have won 15 of their... 30 games they've played like that's still not enough to you know like ooh we're 500 like that that's not exactly inspiring of confidence if you're still fighting to get to 500 or for those that don't know what that means uh essentially winning half your games or getting points in half your games we should say at the midpoint you're probably not in a good spot for the playoffs no and like realistically 
the the teams that are in the playoffs uh like you have dallas la and nashville who are close-ish to the wild card spots and then like vegas and up are well ahead so like there's no like they're not going anywhere so realistically like the flames are looking at like even ideal situation would be to get like third in our division or one of the two wild card spots and you know none of those situations looks good even if the flames were to somehow make the playoffs yeah i mean even right now if we look at you know getting third in the division we have vancouver at 53 Vegas at 51, LA at 46, Edmonton at 41, Seattle at 41, Calgary at 39, sitting sixth. I don't think there's any way you're leapfrogging LA, Vegas, or Vancouver. No. Like, the closest would be LA, and they'd have to fall pretty far on their head. But even then, I Uh, think that Edmonton's going to take that spot. Yeah, uh, I do too. So I think the best they can do at this point is probably fourth. Yeah, which then you're looking at playing like the one of the two division winners, whomever that is, which likely would be Colorado or Vegas. I'm still not convinced uh, that a playoff spot is the best thing for the Calgary Flames this year. No, and that's where like looking on the optimistic side of things, and then you look at all of those other teams, and none of them have the problems that the Flames do. No. Like, you look at Minnesota, Arizona, Seattle, St. Louis, Edmonton, Nashville, L.A. Like, Calgary has a lot of issues in terms of not being able to score goals. And, you know, you can't fix that. And, you know, it, it's tough. And, like, we've seen Huberdeau play well the last couple of games. But, like, he went, like, 13 or 14 games without a point. Uh, Manjapane went like 18 games without a goal. Uh, Dylan Dubé has one assist in 24 games. Like, you know, these are the guys that you're relying on to be contributing offensively and they've all been no shows. And, you know, uh, it, it's hard, uh, like, especially when you're facing three important free agents to be and several other movable contracts and a trade deadline coming up in a month and a half. Uh, for this team to, you know, be overly optimistic on their chances. We'll come back to that when we do our mid-season check-in, that idea of, you know, optimism and best, uh, you know, best-case scenarios. But since you and I talked last, the Flames have played nine games, five wins, four losses. And even though, I mean, you know, there were some pretty good wins in there. There were some pretty good games the Flames played. But I don't know. You know, as humans, I think we tend to look at what was the most recent thing, and this last weekend has really kind of made me grumpy. Yeah, well, frankly, the Philadelphia Flyers are not that very much very good. Like, it, Carter Hart and uh, the other goaltender they have are both good, and they have a couple of decent pieces, but on the whole, like, the Flyers are fairly mediocre uh, like a lot of the Eastern Conference teams, um, like they're, you know, much like the West, like uh, you have Toronto at 47 points in fifth, and in 12th, you have Detroit with 42. Uh, you know, uh, like you have all those other teams in between. 
Like, there's nobody that's really no, and, and we've separating. shown we can beat them. Like, we beat them on the yeah. on the thirty first, four to three. Yeah, and like they played terribly against the Flyers, and then the Gong Show that was this morning against the Blackhawks, like that was as pathetic a game I've. But you know, seen. like I thought that the Predators game, the Wild game, I thought those were pretty good Calgary Flames games that they played, and it looked like maybe they're starting to turn a corner, and then they crapped the bed again. Yeah, well, like, if you you get, say, three points out of the two games this weekend, you're at 42 points, you're an eighth. You know, instead of Edmonton. And, you know, like, you're starting to look at knocking at the door of L.A. and Nashville. Instead, you give up two games that were easily winnable, or at least getting a point in overtime. And, you know, you're... You've now played two more games than everybody, uh, four more than Edmonton. And that's important, too. All those teams we're talking about earlier, they've all got games in hand. Yeah, like, and they're going to keep winning. Like, uh, It's not like you look at Seattle, like they're on a six-game winning streak. The Oilers are on a seven-game winning streak. Um, St. Louis is seven and three in their last ten. Like, you know, it's hard to make up ground when other teams are kicking butt, too, and... You know, like you just can't give away points like the game today. Matt, do you think that this weekend, and I've been thinking about this since the end of the Chicago game, do you think this weekend was really a good reminder, even though we've seen some good Flames games lately, just what this team is? And that, you know what, yes, the Flames, when they, I guess, want to, when they are motivated, I'm not sure what the, you know, win condition is, but when they want to, they can put together a pretty good game. But all in all, this is... Not a good NHL team this year. No, and realistically, but like this kind of a t- grounding weekend, I guess. Well, like this team is not a tire fire. Like the, the Flames' defense is a top ten defense in the NHL. Um, Markstrom has played uh, as a, a average goaltender in the NHL or better uh, for large portions of it. You know, like. That's the reason why the Flames aren't with Anaheim, Chicago, San Jose, and uh, Ottawa in the basement. But, you know, like they they don't have, uh, like they're not getting any performances from Huberdo. They're not getting any performances from Manjapane or uh, their all-star Elias Lindholm. He's un- massively underperforming. Dylan Dubé is non-existent. Walker Dewar is non-existent. Adam Rajitska is non-existent. And, you know, like, when that's a good portion of your hockey team, you know, and, like, Martin Pospisil and Connor Zari started off well, but they've slowed down lately, which is to be expected with any rookie. Um, like, Connor Zari's only, like, five points out of the rookie lead right now, but even that, like, he's he and all the other rookies have slowed down in their scoring. Um, you know, like there's just nobody. And when you say slow down, I guess I would say, you know, it's not as though they're not good NHLers. I think they've maybe regressed to the mean is the best way to say it. I think you and I could agree both guys were performing above what was expected. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And I think now we're starting to see what these guys probably are as NHLers going forward. Yeah. Well, a lot of rookies, like they might come in hot for like 10, 20 games and then they even out and like we're seeing you know like Zari is still creating chances they're just not as plentiful and he's not scoring as much 
but he's still a very key contributor. Like, I'm not, you know, slandering those guys, but it, it's one of those where, like, you're kind of leaning on them, like, 10 games ago and back uh, from when they were recalled as being, like, your key scorers, and, like, they've also kind of not been contributing lately. So, like, you know, it's hard when, like, your team's doing adequately at preventing goals, uh, but, you know, you just can't score any. This feels a lot like deja vu from last year. Last year we talked about a lot of the forwards not putting together what they needed to. I'd say more of the defensemen too, but especially the forwards not doing what they need to do. Jonathan Huberno not looking like the forward he needed to. Andrew Mangiapane not showing up the way he probably should have. I mean... We had a discussion early last year that after moving on from Johnny, I think the organization might have looked at him to fill a top-line winger spot. Um, you know, Dylan Dubé may be regressing. Like, it just feels like a continuation of last year. And at this point, I, I think we're seeing what this team really is. And I think we're learning this team probably is a middling team. And I think as much as they've tried to do it in the past, you know, by moving out players who didn't want to be here and that sort of thing, I think really the only solve at this point is to fundamentally shake this this roster up. Yeah, and, you know, and that's, like, what we've been talking about. Like, the easiest way is moving out the three UFAs to be Tanev, Hannafin, and Lindholm. Um, just because you need to, regardless, at this point. Um, and... You know, you look at a guy like Dylan Dubé, he is not worth $2.3 million this year, and he's an RFA. Uh, I would be stunned if the Flames qualified him. If and it I was still walks... true living, I think they would, because I think he's a true living guy. I think with new management, there's probably not that uh, that loyalty to him. No, and I think you just walk from that $2.3 million and I think you look at moving Andrew Mangiapane, uh via buyout if um, for the same reason. Like, you know, he's not... If he had Dylan Dubé's contract at $2.3 he would be overpaid at that and for what he's contributing. And yet he's getting $6 million. I think Manager's probably making the best money he's ever going to make in this league. Like, I think his next yeah. deal, instead of going up, is going significantly down even though he's only 27 his deal's done at 28 uh and the next year i think he's gonna be going significantly down for whatever team he's with yeah like uh, honestly uh you know like just for a numbers game like you know buying him out for two million dollars eating the that for the two years it, um it to me makes more sense than going and signing a $4 million forward because that player will contribute more than what Mungipane has brought to this well, team. Well, I think if you're getting year. younger, you're not replacing him by signing. You're probably replacing him by promotion. True, but you also need to spend money as well um, in free agency anyway just because the cap. Yeah, you do, but I mean, if we look at him right now as a third-line centerman, I mean, that's a position you will fill internally. Oh, yeah. You know well, what surprised like, me? Manchapani has a modified no trade. Well, no, and it made sense. You know, he was coming off a 36-goal season, and then he's been terrible ever since. And Yeah, like, realist... I mean, he had, he's like Shillington. He had one good year. Yeah, and it's just one of those where, you know, like, 
Didn't didn't Manjapani a- hold out for a while too on his deal? Yeah. And you know, like he's on pace for about the same amount of points that he had last year, which was about 40. And like it's just one of those where you know, like this was his opportunity with Gaudreau leaving to like firmly cement himself as a top six forward and be like a go-to guy and like he's just there and he does you know if he's not scoring like he's not really contributing enough in other areas he doesn't have enough else in his game if he's not scoring no because he's small at 510 and like he is not exceptional defensively he's not physical in any way shape or form like there's just you know like if you went out and signed another blake coleman like you can tell like when coleman's on the ice because you know like even before this year like he was engaged physically and you know doing all the right things defensively and that's one deal i think the flames are gonna hang on to yeah i agree he's 32 4.9 million it looked a little rich when they got him but he seems to be like a good wine and getting better as he ages. Yeah, honestly, the only way you move Coleman is if he uh, if he wants asks to for a trade. Yeah, and you'll get a lot for him because yeah, there are thirty one teams that would want Blake Coleman. I agree. Um, yeah, I don't know this this last nine game stretch. I guess to me, it's just shown yeah they can win, but then they're losing almost as much as they're winning, and I think it just shows the Flames are. Right now, stuck in mediocrity, and I think will continue yeah. to be. Well, and that's where you know, like the thought process of moving on from Dubé and Manjapani, it's just to further hasten the necessity to go out and get new people in, whether it's draft picks, our prospects from the farm, free agents, other trades. Like you know, like they just need to get fresh bodies out there. And try something new. Like the Flames moved on from Toffoli, brought Sharon Govich in. He took him a, a few games to figure it out, but he's meshed really well with this team. And I think, like, you know, AJ Greer getting him in, he's really cemented himself as a staple on the fourth line. Like, just getting new people yeah. in, I think, will help change the culture. And of the I'm team. glad you mentioned Igor Sharon Govich. I mean, this is the guy that started the year on the fourth line. We weren't quite sure what we got there, especially after moving the Flames' top winger. But if nothing else, they got younger, right? They moved a 30 plus to Foley for a 25 year old Sharon Govich. And now I think we're starting to see that coming back to, you know, to do good things for the Flames. He's got 25 points so far in 40 games. He's looking like a top line winger. Even if the Flames could go out, not everyone needs to come from their own farm team. But I think even getting younger players in similar deals, moving older guys for young guys that you've got team control of for two, three years, like a Sharon Govich, and give them the space to develop. And I think that's the big thing that people are forgetting here. The Flames have given Sharon Govich time to develop on this team. And I think if we look at the next two, three years of the Calgary Flames as being that team, it's going to let these guys develop, even if that means not making the playoffs, even if that means, you know, not having the on ice success. I think you can do a lot of good. Yeah. And like, as you mentioned about Oliver Shillington coming back, uh, you know, like if he slots in and plays well, you know, like with us likely losing Hannafin and Tanev, like that, 
opens the door for him to cement a spot for next year. Because he's a free, restricted free agent at the end of the well, year Let's as chat well. about him for a sec, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, he started to skate with the team in early December. We talked about this before, and Matt, I called it. I said, I think they'll probably send him to the American League for a, a conditioning stint, which they have. January 4th, it was announced that Oliver Shillington has been sent to the Wranglers on a conditioning stint. I've been spending part of my uh, holiday break reading the CBA, as exciting as that sounds, to figure out what a conditioning stint means. Um, and the Fun times. The CBA <laughs> says, The standard form of the loan lasts for 14 consecutive days. The player is sent to the AHL, plays in whatever games is assigned to, and then returns to the NHL at the end. So looking at that, if Oliver Shillington has been sent to the American League on the 4th, his uh, two weeks, 14 days would be over on the 18th. The team is only playing two games during that time from now until then, and that is uh, the 11th and the 12th, two home games in the Saladome against the Ontario Reign. So I have to imagine that, you know, you, you didn't want to put him in too early because he hasn't played in a while, but I think, especially looking at how depleted the defense core is for the Wranglers, I think you'll probably see him in at least one of those games. But I want fans to be cautiously optimistic here. Just because he plays in two American League games doesn't mean he's going to come up to the NHL after that. He could go back on the LTIR. They could determine that he's just not ready for the Pro League. They could loan him out to Sweden and, you know, he could essentially go home after that. So just because he's, you know, on a conditioning stint doesn't necessarily mean he's coming back to the Flames. And doesn't even mean that if he does come back, he's going to be any better than, say, Osterley or... You know, any of the guys that are here now, D. Simone, because he hasn't played in two years. Oh, for sure. And, like, honestly, I would expect him, like, when he does get recalled, assuming that he does after the conditioning sin. I believe he has to. That he would, that he would uh, be put, you know, swapped in amongst Gilbert, D. Simone, Osterley, Kuznetsov, you know, any of those guys, you know, and like he might not play every game, um, you know, and basically evaluate him on the fly. I would not be surprised here. He has to get recalled, but he could be waived and put down. And I don't think any GM's taken a chance on Oliver Schilling at this point, because the waiver rules say if you claim him, you have to keep him on your NHL roster. So I could see yeah, him just and get at waived. two and a half million. Yeah, and at two and a half million dollars, like that's a lot of money to, you know, for any cap team uh, to try and fit him it in, is. like that, you know, like, especially because he's such a question mark. And realistically, I think the Flames could just, you know, like what if they weren't moving Hannafin and Tanev, most likely, I would probably expect them to, um probably squeak Shillington through waivers but because of the fact that those two guys are likely going to be moved at some point in the next month I could even see them just having him you know be with the team but not playing uh, but I think if you want to be ready for when those guys move you want to get him games and that's why I could see them waving him yeah I talked about this with uh, somebody else and they had the interesting idea and I didn't think of this if they don't think he's uh, ready for the American League, do you send him to Rapid City? Um, not really. I think that you just, you know, use your AHL team as an AHL team. I think that the AHL team's defense is so depleted that 
you can find a spot for Oliver Shillington. I mean, if we look, they've got uh, Pullman, Pissick, Will Riddell, Brady Lyle, Sam Jardine, Jonathan Aspero, and Jared Gorley. Like, there's nobody on that list that is, I don't want to say of any value, but that you're trying to really develop there. So I think you can easily yeah. slot uh, slot Shillington into that. But I would not be surprised if they, especially because the team is in Calgary, using the AHL team for the reason they brought them to Calgary, send them to the American League, waive him, and then when you make a trade, bring him back up. Uh, entirely possible, but I think that they'd probably just keep him on the team because waving him, you know, like uh, for how good this team has been with him, and how they've treated him over the last two years, I think that they'd respect him enough as a player to just, you know, treat him straight and not wave him. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I, I, <clears throat> like, especially if you're kind of expecting slash wanting him back in the NHL next year. And, you know, like, if he plays himself out of a spot, that's one thing. But I think you have to kind of just carry on as if none of the last like year and a half happened and you know just treat it as a oh he was hurt the whole time and now time to get back into the swing of things but even then any other player that's hurt for two years often doesn't come back to the nhl yeah especially a a bottom pair guy yeah well and and even if you think about that i mean let's be honest shillington had one good year as a flame like you and i have had this discussion on this show multiple times of how this guy would probably never wear a Flames jersey again. He had one good year, got a big contract. I don't know if we go back to that Oliver Shillington or we go back to, you know, the Oliver Shillington that we want out of town. Yeah, and it, it's one of those that we won't know pretty much until the end of the year and see how the last 30 or so games for him turn out. And, you know, by then we'll know you know, and it might be one of those where you re-sign him as like the number six for next year and look for upgrades, you know, and just kind of have him as like the depth guy in the uh, Gilbert or Osterly kind of mold for next year. Or he bounces back and plays much like he was two years ago. You don't just don't know until you get there. Just like we were talking about with Manjapani, I think he's going to be in for a big uh, salary decrease. Like I can't see the Flames re-sign him at two point five. No, and I, I think like a one-year deal at like one and a half. Would I think one and a half and probably two way as well. I, I think that you would probably eat the two, you know, and just have it the one way, uh, just uh, you know. Uh, how would you say uh good relations with the player more so because like if he does bounce back fully next year you'd want to keep him for four or five six seven years type of thing yeah i think a one year would be totally fair if they go any more than that i don't think they're they're managing their assets well because let's be honest there's probably a lot of players not in our system but free agents similar age who could fill that same role yeah and it's one of those you're doing as a favor Kind of, sort of. And you also have to look at, like, uh, Poirier's going to be needing some ice time soon. Uh, Kuznetsov's not far off the NHL. Uh, Soloviev's not far off the NHL. Like, you're going to have some pressure on Shillington's heels to even be in the lineup. So, you know, he has to earn and cement himself. And, 
you know, it, which is a good thing. It's just, you know, having to see how everything shakes out over the next few months. Matt, I think that Shillington right now is probably, I mean, you never want to see a guy out for as long as he has or struggle with what he's been struggling with, but I think that for him, it's going to be right place, right time this year. Like, I totally agree. He will probably get some time in the National Hockey League simply because the Flames are going to be short bodies if they move out two or three of their defensemen. But if this would have been last year or next year, he might be the odd man out. Like, you know, I think in a lot of ways, it's just going to be right, right place, right time for him. Oh, for sure. And... Uh, the flames are in that a uh, good spot for him where like realistically they're not going to be competing uh down the stretch uh likely going to be losing two of their defensemen so it's basically going to be anderson Weger, and shillington as your main three guys uh down the stretch so you know like it's a perfect opportunity for him to re-establish himself as an nhl player or not. and then or not and either way the flames will have more knowledge heading into the off season and you know if he plays poorly uh i could see them signing like a one-year one million dollar contract just to you know be the number six for next year because i'm not expecting there to be a much change uh between this year and next um especially on the blue line like you might see poirier get called up but like that's about it in a lot of ways though i think the flames going with the devil they know is what's got them into this problem in a lot of ways and i think yes they've been loyal to him and all that sort of thing but i think and you might just need to say you know what he's easily replaceable it's time to find somebody else and that could very well be and it's hard to delineate exactly what we should do because of the fact that we just haven't seen him play yet and like if he becomes like the player that he was two years ago with the flames then he's going to be a core piece for this team and if he regresses and is a borderline nhler then you're looking at moving on and either way it'll be sorted out it's just we don't know right now time will tell Yep. Another core piece to this team while we're going there is uh, the Elias Lindholm, who was named the Calgary Flames All-Star Representative this year. This year, the league's doing something very different. They've named one All-Star per team, and the fans will get to vote for the rest of the All-Star team. It's different than we've usually seen. But when that came out, I thought to myself, by what criteria is this the best rep for the Flames? Well, the NHL did the Flames a bit of a favor. Because, hey, you want Elias Lindholm. Oh, wait, no, you want all-star Elias Lindholm. Uh, You know, that'll be a little bit of a premium. Now the throw-in's going to be a fourth, not a fifth. Exactly. (laughs) But, you know, like, no GM is going to be foolish enough to say, wow, we had a good all-star game, I'll pay extra for this guy. Like, when I look at the Flames, yes, he's fourth in points, but Sharon Govich, I'd say even Kadri, Coleman, they all deserve to go before him. And looking at the Western Conference goalies, if I was to pick a Flame right now to go to the start game, I'd probably take Markstrom. Well, I don't understand why Mackenzie Weger, frankly, like that's the player that I was expecting the Flames representative to be because like, he's doing amazing. And... You know, he has, I think, nine goals now. Like, that... Nine goals, 15 assists. He's one point less than Lindholm. 
it's like that should be a no-brainer like that literally should be you know he's the team mvp in my books yeah i think Uyghur or coleman would be if if you're looking or if you're looking at the best players for the flames i think those guys if you're wanting a name i could see them going with kadri yeah like it like i wish i wish the league would have kind of said here's the criteria we use to make this decision yeah like frankly to me you know Honestly, Jonathan Huberdeau makes more sense than Lindholm. Uh, you know, just because of name recognition, and he's only a couple points behind Lindholm. So, I don't get it, personally. I think with, with Huberdeau, though, not just this market, but everybody around the league knows he's had a bum season. Like, I think there's no way the league could get away with that. But I think outside of this market, I don't know everyone knows Lindholm's underperforming. Yeah, uh, it, it's just one of those where... Like, it just really does not make any sense at all. It almost feels to me that they just, like, pulled social media sentiment and the number of times a guy's been named with positive or negative words because Huberto, there's been a lot of negative talk. I think Lindholm more positive because everyone's waiting to see what the Flames get for him. Like, that's the only possible metric I can see them using. Yeah, like, no part of it makes any sense to me, but, you know. I wanted to check because it didn't make sense to me. I thought maybe someone else would understand the method to this madness. No, like, uh, honestly, like, Michael Backlund would have made more sense. Anderson would have made more sense. Connor Zari would have made more sense. Noah Hannafin would have made more sense. Like, yeah, like, it's just, it's a very odd decision. And, you know, I'm glad just because of the fact that he's a free agent to be and, hey, you know, that we're likely trading him, so that will increase the price tag. But other than that, uh, kind of weird overall to me. You know, and and if they want to do this thing where the league is picking one guy per team, I mean, I don't know who at the league did it. I doubt it's Batman sitting down doing this. It's probably some intern, you know, combing through some data. But why not make it so that the players nominate one guy from their team? Let them kind of nominate their own MVP and say almost like they do for some of the trophies at the end of the year. It's like, this is our nominee for the all-star. This is the guy we think is our all-star. Yeah. You know, because I think your room knows your guys the best. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just very odd. This whole all-star game seems kind of silly this year. This is probably, and we've talked a lot about not being excited for the all-star game for a number of years. I think this is probably the one that I'm, least excited for of all well you know i i do honestly have to say that the edmonton oilers actually did something right with their skills competition they had a race amongst the players dogs on the ice and i think that would was the most interesting skills competition i've seen in years frankly the flames used to do one and it was fun to go to and they haven't done that in i can't even think of as many years yeah had to be at least seven yeah but it's one of those where like, the whole event is kind of a snore, and it's just getting more boring, because, like... Yeah. Like, they're just... Like, it used to be such an interesting thing in the 90s, and that, where you had, like, the best from the West, the best from the East, and like even when they did, like, Canada, North America versus the world, like... It, ever since, basically, around 20, 2008, 2009 when things started shaking up it's just really gotten worse and worse and now that's three on three it's just a complete snooze fest to me yeah in the local market i'd like to see a skills comp with the flames and the wranglers together yeah 
Same here. Like, that'd be fun. Throw some prizes to it. Get one of your car sponsors to give a car to the guy who gets the most points or something mm-hmm. like that. But I would love to see those two teams face off. And like you said, you could have the dogs. I think, you know, we've seen kids involved in the All-Star game. I think having the Flames kids out there could be fun. Who doesn't want to, you know, outscore dad or something like that. So I think there's a whole bunch of cool stuff they could do there. I agree. And uh, yeah, it's just very boring. Like it they is. need to hire somebody uh, like from the NBA's all-star game to come up with ideas to make it fun and engaging for people because like it's just kind of a pointless weekend, frankly. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that doesn't understand how Elias Lindholm was picked because when I saw that, I thought, huh, not anywhere near the all-stars I would pick. No, when he's like eighth or ninth on the list... And it's not like Calgary's an amazingly deep team. It's like, um, I or, think you picked wrong. Or it's wrong. not like we got a bunch of injuries and he's the next guy. Yeah, up. it's like, um, I think you picked wrong there, guys. The only thing I can think of is the league reached out to some of the other guys and they all said they didn't want to come. And we see that every year. And he was kind of the first guy who said he wanted to go. Yeah, well, and it makes a ton of sense from his point of view because he wants a good contract and, you know. Uh, adding all-star to your resume definitely helps. And like you said, maybe it'll maybe it'll help us price in the open market. Yep. Well, Matt, it's one of my favorite times of our season. We get to look back at our season predictions that we made before game one. Are you ready for this? Uh, I'm going to use my crystal ball saying, uh, hell no. <laughs> uh, I think you and I are going to be very surprised by some of what we said and some of what's happened. Well... Yeah, we we both tend to be on the more optimistic side with the previews. Um, and then, like, a reality season happens. And, uh, yeah, the things, um, yeah, not working too well. So next year we're going to have to flip the script. Flame, Flame will get the most points. Walker Duel. Yes. <laughs> EJ Greer. Um, that's right. Well, let's take a look at these. So we are halfway through the season, and we'll revisit these again at the end of the season. If anyone wants to hear us make these predictions, you can go back to our uh, episode right before the season started. Will Jonathan Huberto be at least a point-per-game player was number one. You and I both said yes. Right now, he's got 20 points in 40 games, so he's a half-point-per-game player, and I don't think he's going to catch up. No. Even if Mark Savard retapes his stick every game, which apparently... Honestly, if he plays at a point-per-game for the rest of the season, I would be amazed. Me too. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. We, I think we, like, he had to have turned around. That's what we were all thinking here. And the fact he hasn't, I don't think he ever will. Well, and frankly, he's gotten worse, if anything. Like, last year he had, I think, 57 points. And, like, right now he's on pace for two-thirds of that. Like, it, you know, 55 points in 80 games. And, you know, like, it, the, he's on pace for 40 like that literally would be his worst season uh other than his rookie year and the, the year after so you know it's sad i could see this being us looking back at this as best season as a flame yeah well it's one of those where or last year um the flames might just have to ride out the contract you, for a few years you can't buy it out you're just gonna have to ride it yeah. out um, so I'm going to mark that down as a no right now for the end of the <laughs> season. <'cause> no. 
<laughs> We're already down a point, both of yeah. us. <laughs> Will Jacob Markstrom have a bounce back season? And our definition was at least a league average starter. I said yes, and you said no. I think he's been one of the best goalies in the West. Yeah, uh, I would have to say that I've been pleasantly surprised with Markstrom. I didn't think that he was going to be quite as good as he's been. I, I expected him to bounce back a bit from last year, but I didn't expect him to actually, like, basically return to the form that he had two years ago. Um, you know, that being said, like, he's, uh, well, let's look. Uh, he's 17th in the NHL uh, amongst goalies that have played more than 10 games, so um, 14th if you take out the guys that have played, like, 14 games or less. So, yeah, he about league average. Yeah, I mean, the Flames haven't been great, but I would say that, I yeah, I'd give him at least the league average part. Yeah, and, you know, to be fair, like, that's exceptional for him. Like, considering the team in front of him, you know, like, him being um, 20th in save percentage and 17th in goals against average on a team like the Flames, like, that's... It shows more of him actually being like a top 10 goalie in the NHL once again. Um, the team just dragging him down more than anything. Yeah, I think if the I think if the Calgary Flames were a better team this year, he would be there'd be a lot more talk about what he's doing. Yeah, well, he'd basically be once again back in the same conversation for the Vesna like he was two years ago. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the next question will. Dustin Wolf play more than 10 games for the Flames. We know that he got a little bit of a run this year with Jacob Markstrom's injury. He's played five so far. I would say that especially with the Flames looking like they're probably out of a playoff spot at this point, I think they will give him a run at the end of the year. I think this is very plausible. Yeah, I would expect that to happen. Um, yeah, to comment on uh, the Flames' backup goaltender, uh, Dan Vladar, um, just as a comparison... Uh, Vladar is 49th amongst qualified goaltenders in uh, goals against average and 56th uh, in save percentage, and that is of 59 goaltenders in the NHL. So, like for and Vladar has played 13 games now. Yeah, for uh, save percentage, like Arvid Soderblom for Chicago, Ilya Samsonov for Toronto, and Antti Ranta for Carolina are the only goaltenders with the worst save percentage than him in the NHL this year. And I've thought the Vladars look good this year. Yeah. But like, that's again, more demonstrative of how poorly the flames have been where, you know, like he's looked like a reasonable goaltender and yet like stat wise, he's terrible. The next one is about Chris Tanev. Will Chris Tanev play 60 games this year? Um, we know that he's often injured. He played 65 last year and he's played 37 this year. We didn't, qualify this as 60 plus games as a flame just will he play that i think that would have to be a yes like unless he gets hurt for you know like breaks his leg tomorrow he should be able to hit the 60 and in some ways i feel like because of that the flames need to trade him sooner rather than later because if he's hurt he's not tradable yeah and he's probably the most likely guy to get hurt 
Who will have a breakout season? We both had the same answer to this, Matt Coronado. And I guess technically we're right. He's having a great year in the American League, but not for the Flames. Uh, sent down a lot quicker than we thought. And I think even if he comes back at this point, he's not going to break out. No. So I think we're probably both wrong on that one. Yeah, Connor Azari is the clear winner. and Yeah, and a guy that wasn't even on our radar. No, like we were kind of hoping that he might become a fourth line player for this team uh at some point this year and maybe cement himself as an nhl player and uh instead he's been a, a mainstay on the flames top six since he's been up here so uh way exceeding even the coach's expectations and you know in the calder race which you know is frankly shocking for the next question who will struggle this season neither of us picked everybody but coleman um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you said you said Andrew Mangiapane. I said Lindholm and Markstrom. I think stats wise, Markstrom is struggling, but his production on the ice, no. And I think we're both right with Lindholm and Mangiapane. Yeah, Mangiapane especially. I mean, Lindholm's an all star. I didn't expect that, so maybe he's not struggling. Yeah, um, I think that they're both doing okay, but uh, certainly not good. Uh, for what expectations are of those two players. Who will pleasantly surprise us? I said Nikita Zadorov. You said Walker Dewar. Walker Dewar right now is really disappointing me. Yeah, same here. I'm honestly, I think that as soon as Peltier is back, Dewar might be headed back to the American League. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah. Nobody's going to take him on waivers, and if they do, great, have him. Yeah. But I think that the, I think that the shine is off of him right now. Yeah, uh, it seems to be just the one-year wonder kind of guy like Josh Juris was that one year. and But not even a one-year wonder. Like He doesn't look like he can hold down a fourth-line spot right oh, now. Oh, I know. Well, Juris played himself out of the NHL really quick, too. So, um, yeah, whatever reason, Dewar just looks like a poor 14th forward, frankly. And, you and for mine, who will surprise us, I think... Zadorov surprised me by how vocal he was this year and how he stepped up as a leader. And I guess maybe you can say that he surprised us by what he got back in trade, even though it wasn't much. But I think we're both wrong on this one. Yeah. Either one we're going to look back at and say, wow, this was their year. No. Or that the deal for Zadorov was so good it changed the Flames' fortunes. Well, it's helped uh, the Canucks make Tyler Myers not as bad, so... I, I guess that's a win for them. We'll get our buddies on shifts and pucks to talk about that one since they're Canuck guys. Yeah. Um, Matt, I've never this early in the season been able to mark down this many definitive no's. I know. Like, of the seven, I have three of them that we know are definitive no's already. Yep. <laughs> uh, who will be the top point getter for the Flames? You and I both said Huberto. There's another top no. Uh, it's still early. <laughs> He's only 10 back. <laughs> you never we know. We were told that we were we were told that he got his stick retaped, and that's why he got his goal. So if Savard just keeps taping his stick every game, maybe he'll get some more he, goals. He's still got a pulse. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I think that boat sailed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I would expect at this point it'd be probably Nazim Kadri uh, with the win at the end. But uh, I think it'll be Kadri Coleman. Yeah. I would just expect Kadri just due to him having more of a reputation for being a good scorer where Coleman's a little bit out of nowhere a little bit this year. 
Um, all right, the next question, we both got half on. We're doing well, yeah. Matt. Uh, who will be the first call-up? We, we every year pick a forward and a defenseman. We both got the right defenseman in Soloviev, even though he's not with the team anymore. Um, and I think that's the best thing for his development. And we both thought the same for forwards. We didn't think Postel. We didn't think Zari. We thought it would be either Klapka or Schwint. Neither one has been called up yet. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that you'll probably see both of them up at some point, especially when trades happen. Uh, but yeah. And I think if you're looking for a fourth line guy, Klapka's still your guy. There. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, um, especially I, as like this team is looking to, um, you know, try out people for next season. I think that it's going to be important for this team to cycle through the maybe guys, uh, that could take a, a roster spot on the fourth line next year. Guys like Schwint, like Klapka, uh, like Pedersen uh, down there, just uh, anybody who's kind of close and kind of on the upper age uh, limit for younger forwards and see who might be able to stick for next year. I totally agree. I, I think Schwint could get lost in the shuffle with uh, Rooney, with Peltier, with you know other guys that want to try out. Though. I agree. Do the Flames win the Battle of Alberta? I said no. You said no. I think so far, we're doing good, Matt. We predicted they'd be losers, and they are. Yay! <laughs> One and um, <in> After the <laughs> you know, just... after after that, do the Flames win the Heritage Classic? You said yes. I said no. We know they got blown out five two in that one. Yep. Um, where will the Flames finish the regular season in the Pacific Division? I said second. That's not happening. <laughs> you said third. That might happen if the stars align, but yeah. Uh, That's not no, happening either, let's be honest. No. They're sixth right now. That's a heck of a climb. I and think, as we that, talked about the beginning I think of the show, that you can uh, flip it. Who, where are they going to finish? Third, second or third worst? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, as we talked about at the top of the show, right? They're sixth. There's no way they're climbing into second or third. No. Like, the, something would have to drastically happen to Vegas and L.A. or Vancouver like where like half their teams out for the rest of the season you would need a meteor to hit western u.s and then you're just competing with edmonton um how many regular season points the flames get i thought 100 you thought 98 right now their current projection is about 87 yep so i think we're both gonna be wrong on that one yeah this is gonna be a boring end of season show i know uh it's going to not be looking too good, but hey, at least we'll be able to talk about this year's iteration of Kenny Agostino, so that's something to look forward there you to. Go. Um, I think we'll need a lot more draft preview this yep. year. How far will the Flames go in the playoffs? I said third round, lose the Western Conference. I'm going to mark myself down as a loser <laughs> right now. And you said a loss in the first round. I think that's still plausible. Yeah. They could make the playoffs. And if they do, <laughs> they will be out in the first round. I might get a credit for that one. <laughs> there you go. You might you might get credit for again, we picked the, when they we picked their losers, we didn't get the point. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Did the Wranglers go to the finals this year? Uh I said no, you said yes. They're still looking really good down there, so I think a lot of that's also going to depend on how much the Flames decimate their roster after the deadline. Well, but, they did, um, they can like, uh, send four people down. So, like, I would expect Zari, uh, Peltier, uh, 
um, and Pospisil all to get paper sent down. Um, mm -hmm. So we'll see. Yeah. I agree with you on those. Um, does Ryan Husko or Craig Connor lose their job this season? We both said no. I think that's probably fair that we probably get one point on yeah. that. And the last question that we looked at, number 17, what do the Flames need to do to be successful for this season for us to look at this as a success? I said a second round win in the playoffs or a massive sell-off at the deadline if it's clear we're not where we expect to be. You said a competitive second round exit or better in the playoffs or a massive sell-off at the deadline. So I'm not going to give us a point for that yet, but I think we're headed down the massive sell-off at the deadline road. Yeah, and I think that like both of us were... Like, on the optimistic side, saying that, yeah, if we make the playoffs, you know, we, we've we obviously corrected some of the issues from last year and should be good, and that hasn't materialized, so I think we're going down door number two, which, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I still think that the Flames... I think in some ways the playoffs is the worst thing that can happen to them, but I think the absolute worst is to re-sign your three free agents and assume status quo. Oh, like honestly, that would be the biggest fail, period. Like realistically, they need to get 15 assets from the guys that are free agents to be. And, you know, um, they got two with Zadorov. Um, you know, and like you look at Markstrom... Assuming that you can trade him, because there are a number of teams with goaltender issues, like LA lost Phoenix Copley for the season. Um, you know, like they're they were already looking for a goaltender. Uh, I can see the Flames sticking with Hannafin, but he's the only one I can see. Yeah, stick with. like uh, realistically, uh, you know, like Tanev makes absolutely zero sense to keep Elias Lindholm. Uh, you know, like his, in his mind, he's a $9 million player, but in real reality, he's a $6 million player. You owe him an extra million because he's going to the All-Star game. Yeah, like he's a 6 to $7 million player like Kadri is. And, you know, like just for that disconnect, I think you need just to move on because, you know, like that, that's nuts, <laughs> frankly. Um... And, you know, like, you can't hamstring yourself. And, like, the Flames, like, that's part of the reason why, like, I want the Flames to move on from guys like Manjapani and Dubé as well, is just to free up cap space. And that way, you know, you can be a broker next year um, in the offseason uh, because basically it'll be us and the Coyotes as the only teams with actual cap space. And, and I think there will be some teams that will really want to do a deal to get you to eat cap space. Yeah, and, you know, like the Flames could reverse the Monaghan trade where you're getting a guy that, you know, has a year where you're getting a first-round pick for taking the guy on. Um, and additionally, in free agency, like most teams are still not, like even with the cap going up, are not going to have a ton of cash to go spend on insert name of free agent here so the flames could get a player uh that's a decent top four defenseman or top six forward for a relative bargain because they're literally the only team that actually has money to spend 
Every year, the deadline, we see these odd head-scratching deals, too, where it's a three-way deal, and somebody's really just eating money and getting a seventh or something for it. So, you know, I think the Flames could finally be part of that conversation. Yeah, and realistically, like, this team just needs to be able to make as many trades as possible to clear up as much cap space as possible, because... I don't think they can <sighs> afford to let a free agent walk for nothing. No, and... Like, even the RFAs, like, uh, Shillington and Dubé, like, you know, if uh, either of those guys, like, you're not really planning on keeping, you should look at moving them as well. Um, you know, obviously, in Shillington's case, if he's playing well enough, you're going to want him back anyway, just because of losing three of your six defensemen from the start of the year. Dubé, I think you might have to let walk, and I'd be okay yeah. with Yeah, uh, even if you got, like, a fifth-round pick for Dubé or a sixth, uh, you know, I think you you do that deal at the trade deadline just to, you know, recoup something from that asset. Um, but... I think if you're going to trade Dubé, he's going to be a throw-in for somebody. Yeah, and... It, it might be, like, Lindholm and Dubé for something. Yeah. And it's one of those where I think that the Flames just need to sell off as many things, create as much cap space as possible for next year, and be okay with, you know, having some ambiguity heading into the offseason because you don't know what the other teams are going to need. Um, you know, you look at Toronto looking at re-signing Nylander and, you know, like they're in a whole heap of trouble in terms of fitting him in under the cap. You know, like you can definitely broker with teams like that to help uh, their cap situations. And, you know, like there's lots of different options. And Calgary is in a good position if they play their cards right. If they do things stupidly and re-sign everybody, then they're just going to be bad for a long period of time and you know instead of this being like a three to four year rebuild you're looking at a decade in the wilderness which you know if they want to be the next arizona coyotes they can do that but you know going into the holidays to me i still wasn't sure what the right path was i knew there was two possible paths and one was the path that we're talking about, and I think everyone's talked about, the other one was maybe this team can put it together and go on a run. And I think now, coming into 2024, as we turn the page in 2023, to me, there's one right path at this point, and it is sell off the UFAs, sell off what you can at the deadline, get younger. If you don't want to use the rebuild term, that's fine. If you don't want to use the retool term, that's fine. Say it's time for us to get younger and give young guys a chance and you know what, by the time we get a new building, maybe we'll be competitive again. Well, like, realistically, looking at this team, like, you you figure that Ottawa, Anaheim, Chicago, and San Jose are on a different level of suck from everybody else. But, like, between us and 28th, so the fifth worst team in the NHL, we're only up on Columbus by four points. And that's with the three guys that are still in our lineup. You know, if you get rid of two of your good defensemen and one of your good forwards, you know, like the Flames are going to be a top five team this year in terms of a draft pick. And oh, I was wondering what kind of top five are you looking you at? Know, what, You're doing a Lise Lindholm all-star math. Yeah, well, I'm looking at the draft and, you know, like okay. this team 
could use a top five pick. Like, oh, for sure. You know, like they got Kachuk, they got Monahan, uh, they did get Sam Bennett, which, you know, I wasn't a fan of that particular pick at the time, but, you know, like the this year's draft, like there are a number of good players and like the, the Flames need to be in a position where like they could potentially win the lottery and go first overall. Um, Never happened in franchise history. Yeah, you know, but you need to be able to bite the bullet. And, you know, like, the if it would be different if, like, the Flames only had to leapfrog one or two teams to get into a playoff spot and say we're in ninth or tenth. But, you know, like, having to jump over five, six, seven teams to get there is just, it's too much. And, like, it, it, you'd have to be... And it doesn't do us any favors. No. Sure, we made it to the playoffs. We're out again in a round or two. What's the point? We've been a decade in mediocrity. Oh, well, frankly, with only three years of an exception, like the Flames have been a putrid team for their entire existence. Like 40 years of bad and three years where they actually did something. Like, you know, like this team has been terrible. Uh, you know full stop like they've only made it to the second round what uh twice since uh the year 2000 like three times pardon me three times since the year 2000 like that that's bad <laughs> i think we need a t-shirt coming off 40 years of bad yeah well actually if you go all the way back to 1989 when they won the cup it's literally they've been to the second round three times where they got skunked twice and they made it to the finals in 04. Like, you know, this team deserves more than to be a perpetually just their team. And Yeah, I mean, I don't really care about the team, but the fan base. The people who have supported this team for so many years. This is a great fan base. And if nothing else, the fans, the Sea of Red, the people listening to this podcast deserve better. Yeah, and like, I don't care if the Flames are terrible for a year or two. You know, or three or four. Short-term gain for long-term, or short-term pain for long-term gain. Yeah, like, you know, you look at the Oilers, you know, like, if the Flames got, like, a McDavid-level prospect, you know, like, we wouldn't be inept not to supply him with defensemen and goaltenders, (laughs) you know, like... (laughs) Yeah, we've got some pieces. You know, like, like, we know how to build the team, we just don't have the star player to go with it, and... If the Flames can add that star player through the draft, then, you know, like this team could be a formidable team in the future. But, you know, if we're picking 8th to 10th every year, you know, like you'll get some first line-ish forwards. But, you know, like even like the Flames first round draft pick last year, Hanzig, like when I watch him play... He looks kind of like a Joel Colborne, Mark Jankowski kind of guy, like just there. Like I'm not seeing anything exceptional, like first line forward. Give him some time to develop. Oh, I know, uh, but I'm not seeing that like higher level first liner upside from him. And like the Flames, in order to get that, like you need to be picking in the top five, and you know, like that means that you got to be bad and. <laughs> You know, like, he might develop into that moving forward, but, you know, like... Every good team has been bad, and the Flames have never been that bad. No, and that's part of the reason why the Flames are 
perpetually stuck in this zone of just being there in the middle at best. You know, like some years they might be a little bit higher, some they might be a little bit lower, but they're just there. Like the Minnesota Wild, like they're just, they exist. Woo. You know. It's our turn to be bad, man. Yeah, and that's fine. Like, I, I, you know, I look for the positive. Like even in the two games this weekend where like we lost to, you know, one decent team and one very bad team, but, you know, still was looking at the positives for certain players like Kadri scoring and, you know, Huberto looking better and, you know, looking on the bright side, you know, and I'm sure a lot of fans would be in the same boat where, you know, taking the positives from this team while enduring the, you know, being a punching bag for everybody else. Time will tell, but what we got to look at next is how they're going to do in the immediate future, not even looking as far as the draft for next year and uh, what they're going to do for this week. So they've got three games on tap for this week. They, The Flames have been on the road since uh, the second. They come back for one game and then go on the road again, so just enough time to repack their bags and clean their underwear. They have a game on Tuesday against the Ottawa Senators in the Saddle Dome. And then they're back on the road Thursday going to Arizona and uh, Friday or sorry, Saturday, Hockey Night in Canada going to uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. So three games this week. I'll give you my prediction. I think after this week, the Flames are not feeling good about themselves. I think they're going to lose all three. Uh, You took the words right out of my mouth. Frankly, uh, with it just being the one game homestand, it kind of feels like just an extended seven game road trip. Because they're only here for the one, you know, like it just feels like a blip on the road. Uh, I, I'll say that they beat Ottawa just to be different from you, but I don't see them winning any of them. Yeah, you know, I that was exactly what my thought was going to be was an over weekend or a week, I should say. And, you know, I mean, Ottawa is a team just like Chicago that you should be beating. This is a team that nothing's going right for, right? Yeah, and yet we continually lose to them. Like, I think for the last few years, we've been terrible against them. But that's been the story of the Flames for so many years, right? They beat the bad teams, they can't beat the good teams, and it, you know, or they beat the good teams and they can't beat the bad teams. It seems to flip one way or the other. Yeah. So we'll see, but I'm not really optimistic. Like, frankly, the rest of the month, even, I'm not overly optimistic. Like, they're playing some a bunch of teams that are fighting for their playoff lives until you hit Columbus and Chicago at the end of the month. Well, let's look at the rest of the month. It's kind of weird. This month is very regimented. We play every Tuesday, every Thursday, every Saturday. Um, so after this week, the Flames have Arizona again here in the Dome, then the Toronto Maple Leafs, then Edmonton, then St. Louis on the 23rd. They have the Blue Jackets on the 25th in the Dome, so the return of Johnny Goudreau, and the Chicago Blackhawks again on the 27th, and that's and then they get their bye week after that. Yeah. And then even so, after that, um, like it's not a fun road trip. Like it's Boston, New Jersey, New York, New York. Like it's not fun. <laughs> through basically yeah. all the way through the trade deadline, like there's not really too many easy games. Uh, the only ones that they had that were on the easier side were the ones that they just played this weekend. So, yeah, uh, not too good. But, I mean, based on what we saw this weekend, I think that if the Flames keep losing to, you know, these bottom teams, it shows that maybe they are, you know, there's that old saying, you are what you eat, right? And I think 
this is kind of the same for the Flames. And if they can't beat the bottom teams, then maybe they are one. Well, I did see a a stat that said that, like, the Flames are one of the bottom three or four teams against the bottom half of the standings and are, like, an actually above average team against the top half. And it's like, yeah, that tracks (laughs) because it can't beat any of the bad teams. Where do you play Vladar this week? Uh, honestly, I I would probably rip uh, marks from all three and see how it goes. Because they've been playing Vladar a lot more lately. I know. Uh, I think that you, well, with how Vladar's played uh, like the last game, uh, I think that you might want to just run with uh, Markstrom for a few games just to, because like he's still trying to get back into the swing of things from his injury, so. Yeah, I agree. I think if it was me right now, unless something happens, I would probably play Markstrom right up to the Toronto game and then probably give Ladar the Toronto game. Yeah, that seems about right. Considering that Toronto doesn't seem to have a goalie, I'm sure any of ours can beat them. Yeah. Well, you never know. <laughs> um, unless they bring the Zamboni driver back. I was just back. about to say. <laughs> oh, no, not the Zamboni driver. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. They're they're going through all sorts of guys. Tim Sonov gets waived, and we're not a Toronto podcast. We won't talk about that. Yeah. But they're having a tough time finding a, a goaltender this I year. I know. Well, I you know, if the Flames were willing to eat some money on Markstrom, I think that the Leafs would be interested. But We know their GM likes the guy. He's the one that signed him. Yeah. And honestly, if it meant taking Samsonov back, I probably would just to see if you can fix him. <laughs> How many years has he got left? I have no idea. I mean, if nothing else, you bring Samson Simpsonov back, and he takes Oscar Dance's spot in the American League. Uh, um, you know, I I don't think you even need to fix him. I think at this point, it's putting him somewhere. I mean, you know, maybe even loan him to Rapid City. Uh, he's a UFA I, after this season, so okay, you so could sure, eat him, take him back. Yeah, then you could eat his cap hit for the rest of this year. Yeah, t- take him back. Put you know, put him in the American League because you're probably bringing Wolf up at some point. Yeah. Let and then you know go into the playoffs with uh, Wolf, Dansk, and Samsonov down there, and make sure Samsonov just stays in the press box. Never go home. Just stay at the dome. Sit in the press box, even if the Roughnecks are there. Just stay there. Yeah, it's weird that uh, he uh, fell so far off from what he was last year is actually rather respectable last year. And Jonathan Huberto and goalie pads. Oh no. <laughs> right. I mean, that's really the, yeah. the same comparison. I know. He was good. And now he's not. <laughs> yeah. That, that's bad. Well, Matt, uh, we don't have to face him. So this week, so we won't worry about him. So uh, enjoy this week. Hopefully we're both wrong, but as we've already prove this show when we predict that they're going to do bad we tend to if do you right. look so on the bright side good. you're wrong <laughs> um, and we will we'll talk to you next week and see if we're both right okay well as always go flames go fireside chat is hosted by dan stevenson co-hosted by matt deborg this episode produced and edited by peter marino Fireside Chat is licensed under a Creative Commons license. For full license details, visit firesidechat.ca.